Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Welcome to Cup of Joe, part of the Project Zion podcast, where we talk about restoration history. Today, we're going to touch on what is, for many people in Community of Christ, the number one taboo topic, and that is the plural wives of Joseph Smith. And my guest today for our conversation is Kelly McAfee. Kelly, did I say that correctly? You did, absolutely. Wonderful. (laughs) Kelly lives in Kirtland, Ohio which is an important historical setting for all of us in the restoration traditions. So Kelly, I'm going to guess that you are or were raised LDS. That is correct. Yes. And, and, and remained LDS until a couple of years ago. Okay. And uh, I'm 50. So that tells you how long I was a member. Uh-huh. Sometime. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Just, just a blip in the historical. Just a blip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you, um, as I discovered a little while ago when we talked briefly, you are in education. You are a teacher. That is right, yes. First grade and special education. So there's yes. a special place in one of the three levels of heaven for you. Oh, thank you goodness. Believes in three levels of heaven. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so hi, Kelly. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So my friend Catherine, your friend Catherine, connected us And it was because you did an unusual thing. Yes. 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 (laughs) I I laughed just thinking about it. You created. I was just going to say, let me just say, it surprised even me. The project surprised even me. It was not planned. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be such a wonderful conversation. (laughs) So you created a collection of dolls, each one representing a plural wife of Joseph Smith, Jr. Right. Yes, and Joseph. And I did see uh, Joseph. We're gonna, yes. I'm going to send the photos um, in okay. Project Zion so that hopefully we can link to those photos and everyone Great. can get a look at your handiwork. So my first question right off the bat is, what? I mean, <laughs> so. do, you, do you have a few minutes? Because it's a... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, I came out here in April. I was dating a man who worked at the Kirtland Temple, who I'm now married to. So we were going back and forth between Georgia and Ohio to visit each other. And I had been out to Kirtland a few times to visit. And uh, I came out last April. And we were talking about Fanny Alger, who lived in the Smith home here in Kirtland when she was a teenager and the temple was being built. And I started to learn more about her. And I found out that she married a Custer after she left Kirtland. Well, I know that I'm related to General George Custer. And I looked at Tom and I said, I might be related to Fanny Alger. So I started to do some research while I was here and found out that I indeed am related to her uh, as a cousin through her husband. I paint portraits. And so I got out my paper and my watercolors and I painted a portrait of Fanny Alger. Well, that started me painting the portraits of all of Joseph Smith's plural wives. I also did uh, some of the other plural wives from people that I'm related to and people my children are related to and people that my husband are related to. So I have about 100 portraits that I did. And I sat one day and I was looking at the stack of portraits this summer. And I was thinking about what an overwhelming number 40 wives is. Who needs 40 wives? I keep asking, who needs 40 wives? The answer is no one 
right? <laughs> so but that's an overwhelming number of whys. And the stack of paper, though, just didn't really show it. And I thought, what's another way I could show it? Well, then I was sitting one day and I, uh, I used to paint these brat dolls. You remove their faces and repaint them and dress them. And I would make character dolls that I would sell at the Comic-Con in Utah. And so I pulled out my Bratz dolls one day as I was going through my things. And I thought, you know, this kind of looks like Elizabeth Rollins. And so I made an Elizabeth Rollins doll. And then I thought, this one kind of looks like Helen Mark Kimball. So I made a Helen doll. And then I just kept going. And five weeks later, I had all of them done. And that includes, yes, that includes making most of their clothing. And Joseph. And Joseph and Jane Manning as well. And Jane Manning. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So I think I'm, I'm even more stunned that it only took five weeks as opposed to just being stunned that you did oh. it at all. Yes, I hear that. I was stunned too. But, you know, I'm a teacher, so I was off for the summer. Mm-hmm. So I just, for five weeks, that's mostly what I did all day. So, so I can see where the connection grew. Right, yeah. you're Berlin, Fanny Alger, related, blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, all of the wives. So as this started to kind of play out for you in this setting of Kirtland, mm-hmm. Ohio, which I find mm-hmm. just fascinating to be kind of the place where this happened, I have to ask, what was your history in even knowing about polygamy, plural marriage, spiritual wifery, whatever it's called in the... Um, used to be called Mormon community? I knew very little uh, growing up. And as an adult, I knew very little. I remember my, my first husband took a class when he was in college, and it was on Mormon history. So it wasn't a, an, an LDS school. It was just a mainstream college. And I remember him telling me that Joseph had other wives that he married without Emma's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that can't be right. You know, I just thought that can't be right. And I remember being taught that it was for the widows. That, that was the reason that they married was for, to take care of the widows and to take care of orphaned, you know, young girls. And so that was just my assumption that that was the, the truth of it. And then um, when I walked away from the Mormon faith, I really started to study the history I started reading books about the history and, and not, not anti-Mormon literature at all, just historical representations of what happened with evidence to back it all up. And it made me very sad for these women. And I recognized that a lot of what they went through was really abusive. And not that that was the intent of, of what was happening. I mean, that's an abusive lifestyle. And, and to be told, well, either you marry me or your family is not going to get into heaven that's, you know, manipulative in my perspective. And so I felt like these stories needed to be shared. I, I don't want these women's stories to be unknown, and I don't want them to be forgotten, because I feel like it's an important part of history. Whether, whether it happened with good intentions or not, I feel like it's a really important part of history that we need to remember and to honor them as well, to remember their stories. So you said that um, you had learned growing up that 
polygamy was a way to um, take care of widows and orphans. And I remember hearing a similar kind of explanation growing up in the RLDS church that, you know, it may have happened, but Brigham was responsible and it happened in Utah. And here's probably why it happened kind of a thing. And so I'm just wondering, as I've listened to many young women who talk about their first discovery from the gospel topic essays that Mm -hmm. um, were written and put on the lds.org website, which is the official Latter-day Saint Church website, right? that Joseph Smith Jr. was indeed the originator of the practice, Mm -hmm. that that was new information for them, and that they were mortified to discover that this was the case. Have you encountered people struggling in the same way? Did you have a similar um, kind of sense of how could this be when that isn't what you were taught? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there is so much evidence. And I I still run across people on Facebook who say, oh, but, you know, there's this theory that Joseph Smith didn't practice and that, you know, Brigham Young again was the one who started it. There's so much evidence that shows that Brig or that sorry that Joseph Smith did start polygamy, and, and my husband he's a he's an LDS historian he has been for decades he knows all the historians uh, you know I'm now friends with many of them who've written these books right and found this information and put it together and there's no question among them whether or not Joseph practiced polygamy they may question some of the details they may argue about some of the small details but there's no question in any LDS historian's mind as to whether or not he practiced polygamy and as far as it being for the widows i mean we have we have many statements from Joseph Smith that said oh no you need to find yourself a young one a young attractive woman who you know you can have babies with and yeah. um, so it, it wasn't just about the widows and, and so, yeah, and so I, when I posted, when I originally posted the portraits, I was painting the portraits, and as I would paint one, I would post it on Facebook, and I would put a little, um, a little bit of history of the woman who the portrait was of, and, uh, and I had some of my LDS friends who, you know, kind of got on and scolded me for reading anti-Mormon things, um, and I said, like, this is not anti-Mormon, this is our history, this is... Mm-hmm. This is the history and we can either accept it and embrace it or, or what, you know, what, what happens if we don't, you know, that's what, that's why I felt so strongly to get, get these stories out there and, and, and make these stories known because these women are being forgotten. And it's whenever somebody says, Oh, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. This, this, this is our family you're talking about. This is, this is my husband's relatives, my relatives, my kids' relatives, and you're saying that what they went through didn't happen, that's kind of a slap in the face to, to these women who went through so much. Right. So in Community of Christ, um, because the RLDS Church, kind of as its core DNA, was anti-polygamy, mm-hmm. and as part of that, um, denied that Joseph Smith had any participation in it, many Community of Christ folks, then older folks just don't want to hear it. And it's kind of a fingers in the ears, la, 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 la. I can't hear what you're saying. But um, in the recent uh, couple of decades, our official um, church history has begun to acknowledge that, that yes, the preponderance of evidence, as you have stated, points that did participate in this for whatever reasons. And people are finding that in the three-volume 
uh, journey of a people community of Christ history. And the first one mm-hmm. deals with the um, 1830 to 1844 time period. And also for the first time in one of our kind of smaller resources that we hand out pretty regularly called the illustrated history of the church. We try to paint an authentic picture of that and acknowledge yeah. that um, in that text as well, trying to get that information into the hands of people. Um, even I think that's so important. History. Yeah. It, so yeah, you that's don't so have to the class. You can find it yourself. Yeah. yeah. But our tradition of denial comes from the fact that we are out of, we, we're kind of Emma's church. We're, right the people that um, that didn't go west or some of the other places with some of the other um, leaders from the secession crisis. But Emma, throughout her life, proclaimed that she was the only wife of Joseph Smith Jr. And the church kind of based its Joseph didn't do it claim right. on, on those denials, that yeah. those proclamations. So what do you think about Emma when you went through this and these denials? What do you think she knew or what, what did she not want to know? This Emma's story breaks my heart. I love Emma. And every once in a while, somebody will say something negative about Emma Smith. And I say, you may not talk about her in front of me like that. <laughs> Don't talk about Emma in front of me like that. Because whatever she went through and whatever she did, she was an abused woman. She was abused from the very beginning. This is my perspective. And so I apologize to anybody who's listening who doesn't have the same perspective. But um, she she had a husband who had all of these affairs and it, he called them marriages, but she didn't know about it. So that's still an affair, even if he felt like he was married to these women and had a right to be with them. It, to me, it was still an affair. And she she had women who lived in her home, many, many women who lived in her home, uh, teenage girls who she treated like daughters, f- good friends who worked with her in the Relief Society who behind her back were married to her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that's heartbreaking. And then she, she discovered it. She, she discovered these affairs along the way and she would get angry and she would kick these women out of the house and other, her husband and other men from the church were telling her what a terrible person she was, how God was going to curse her and send her to hell because she wouldn't accept polygamy when she finally, you know, was told about it. She went, she met a friend out in the street. This is his report. She said, you know, he tells me that, that I'm going to be cursed if I don't accept it. So I guess I have to accept it. And she really tried. She tried. She, their sisters who were living in their home and Joseph married these sisters without Emma's knowledge. And then he came to her and said, you know, we've got this polygamy thing that we're supposed to be following. So you need to let me marry other women. Who can I marry? And she agreed to let him marry those sisters, not knowing he'd already married them the week before. And so then he had a fake ceremony with her there where she handed them off to her husband and it, it about killed her. Within weeks, she said, no, I can't have them here. I can't do this yeah. and, and yeah. sent them out of the house. So her story is heartbreaking. And I, and I, I, and I look at the fact that she then denied, denied mm-hmm. all of it. She didn't want her kids to know. That's obvious to me. She did not want her children to know. And I think just for that reason alone, she would have gone to her grave saying, no, it never happened. Um, I also believe that she was embarrassed. She was hurt by it. She was embarrassed that she, that she lived through that and that she accepted that to some extent. And so I think that's where the denial comes from. Mm-hmm. So 
we see in the news cycles. Mm -hmm. We read about um, women, men, women, people in situations where um, sexual abuse takes place, whether it's emotional abuse or physical abuse. And we have a hard time naming it as such. And so your comment that she was abused will be unsettling to community of Christ women who view her as strong and willful and determined and a definite counterbalance to her husband's kind of erratic behavior that she was this strong, stable rock. But can you be a strong woman and still um, suffer emotional or sexual abuse? And I think we can look in our current narrative in the United States and say it happens all the time. Yeah. I think she was one of the strongest women ever. She, she survived it and she survived and she, she accepted some of it because she was told that's what God wanted from her. And she tried her best to accept that because she was a faithful woman, which is a good quality. Yes. Yes. Yes, A good quality. It was killing her on the inside. It was a betrayal one after the other betrayals from her husband and from these other leaders of the church as well, who, I mean, there was one point where they were accusing her of of trying to poison her husband. Um, And I thought to myself, well, if she did, he might've deserved it. You know, (laughs) if that's what he was doing, then, you know, maybe she got that angry. I don't think she really did it. Some people do though, but yeah, she had a lot of strength to be able to make it through what she did she didn't just lie back and accept it all. She pushed back as much yes. as she felt like she could. Yes, she did quite often. Yeah. So, so let's go back to your, your project, your five-week project of yes. uh, constructing these dolls. What did you discover just in general kind of about the restoration movement, about church history, about your place in that as you were going through the five weeks of creating these dolls? That's a really tough question. I don't know that I discovered anything new, but I remember the moment. I re- so I, I was putting the dolls on bookshelves. On a, you know, I had a, two empty bookshelves that I was putting the dolls on as I finished them. And I remember filling up one shelf. And I looked up there and I said, that's not even half the wives. Like, I'm not even halfway done. And I, I told my husband, I said, darn it, if he hadn't had so many wives, I'd have a lot less work to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then when I finished all of the dolls and I, and I put them out on the table to take the photographs, which, which are the photographs that I sent to you, mm-hmm. it was just overwhelming to look at that and to see all of their faces. And, to, and I just I kept wondering, what, what were they thinking? Some of them were thrilled to marry the prophet of the church. I mean, they loved and admired him, and it was a status thing for mm-hmm. them. Uh, some families were happy to give their daughters to Joseph Smith as his wife. So I just wondered, what were they all thinking? Uh, and, and some were not happy. Some were not happy about it. And some, uh, Helen Mark Kimball, if you read her accounts of what happened, it's heartbreaking. Um, she's, she's actually my husband's aunt. And so she's, she has a very special place in our heart. And she talks about how her dad, you know, gave away his, his ewe lamb. He, he sacrificed his ewe lamb to, to Joseph Smith. She was 14 years old when she married him. And she said, if I had known it came with everything marriage comes with, I never would have agreed to it. At 14. Again, yeah. And again, she was told this your the salvation of your family depends on this. So she felt like she needed to do it. So what did you learn about yourself through 
doing this project? I learned that the fact that I did it in five weeks, um, I learned that, that I'm definitely passionate about this subject. It really, um, it opened up some wounds of my own abusive relationships mm. um, from the past. And I've had to face some things that I, I put away for a very long time. But like I said, these women, they were so faithful and they had so much strength to go through what they went through. And so I I gained from that. I I gained from their strength, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, In reading about the Plural Wives and in listening to Lindsay Hanson Park's Year of Polygamy podcast that she did, you do learn from them. You, you have an affinity for them. You have a respect for them. You have empathy. You have pity. I mean, it's yes. all of that rolled up. Yes. yes. Experience. And so and I'm it, wondering. It made me love them more. Doing the portraits, I was falling in love with these women. Uh, making the dolls. It, it's whatever, for whatever reason, that 3D image of these women and dressing them and doing their hair painting on their faces. And I, and I tried very hard for the ones we had photographs of to make them look as much like, like the women as I could. Um, it, it just made me love them more and, and appreciate what they went through. And, and I go to the Kirtland Temple and many of the dolls that I've made were here. They were in this building that I get to walk, you know, this building that I get to sit in and to reflect. And, and I'm sitting on the same pews where they sat. Um, it's, 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 it's really kind of overwhelming and a very special experience that I get to have here. Well, it brings it into the forefront of a history that was recorded by and for men, where men yes. are the players, men, yes. men are the doers, and women were the accompaniers. Yes, in some absolutely. Um, yeah, and we're still living that a little bit. You know, well, we, we are. We are women in religious communities, women in our culture in general, yep. uh, are yeah, still tr- fighting for equal, um, equal rights, equal understanding, equal access. Yep, so absolutely. When I think about women in the restoration tradition and what we've learned, it's very different in the LDS tradition than how um, that learning has affected the community of Christ tradition. But both of them, the roles of women in both of these traditions, as different as they are, have stemmed from this experience of polygamy. Right. So in the in the LDS tradition, what do you think that this experience these women went through, how does it um, resonate in the experience of women today in the LDS tradition? You know, there was so much that I didn't recognize when I was in the church that I recognize outside because I chose not to look at it. And polygamy was one of those things that I chose not to look at. Somebody pointed out to me recently that polygamy still exists in the Mormon church. It's not done on earth, but you know, if a man is married to one woman and that woman dies or or he leaves her for some reason, he can marry another woman and then he has two wives or three wives or four wives. Um, And we're taught that in heaven, we will be in these polygamous relationships. So it's still being practiced in a way Mm -hmm. uh, in the LDS faith. And that's damaging in my perspective. 
I don't believe that God commanded Joseph and, and other people can believe what they want. I don't believe God commanded Joseph to practice polygamy. I believe he was a man who had his own thoughts and ideas about it. And that was a way to make it okay. Um, and maybe there was a point where he believed it was coming from God. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I certainly don't believe it was from God. Mm-hmm. So I think that just that mindset of polygamous relationships and and thinking that you will be one of many wives to your husband, I think that's very damaging. And I think it puts women in a a role of being less than. Um, And you see that in the LDS church. I mean, with women not holding any leadership roles. And uh, we we looked at general conference this last weekend, and I think there were uh, four women who spoke and and how many men, you know, a dozen, 16 men, however many men spoke. And and I remember being in meetings in church when our ideas may or may not be even listened to because we're women. And what do we know? You know, it's just, it was always up to the men and the young men are getting money to do their activities and they're going on all these big camps and these expensive things. And the young women are told we have to do whatever's free. Right. And so just even the money that's allocated to the young men versus the young women is not uh, equal. And so I still see a lot of, of damage created from, from that sort of mindset. So if you ran the world, Kelly. Yes. And... A fun thought right there. <laughs> a fun thought. <laughs> <laughs> and you could say, here's, here's what I would want for women in religious traditions. What would that look like? Well, it would, there would be equality, religious tradition, life in general, women are just as intelligent as men. We're just as strong as men physically. No, I mean, that's just biology, but just as strong emotionally, our ideas are just as good. If we could manage to work together, men and women, without there being this sort of um, push and pull and where men feel like we're trying to take over we're not trying to take over. We're just trying to work together. You know, we just, there's so much that has to change. (laughs) There's so much that has to change. Um, But yeah, just that equality and and not just equal pay and equal rights, but recognizing that we're just as good as each other. And that if we work together, wow, what great things we could do in this world. Absolutely. I could say preach it sister. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So you have kids in the house. Yes. And you have a spouse. Yes. What do they think about your collection of Joseph's wives? Oh, that's a good question. My husband loves it. He thinks it's, he's just so proud of of my artwork and my projects. And he thinks it's fantastic. Um, And all of my children, but one appreciate it. Uh, I have one child who is still not sure uh, what they think about the church and they just, they don't like anything that might cause contention. So it's kind of not, yeah, don't love it. But, but most of them think it's pretty great. Yeah. And I've, and I've brought friends in and they loved it. And um, <laughs> my, aunt, my aunt, who's not, she's not any related to the LDS faith at all, not related to, to any of the um, expressions of the restoration at all. And she just, absolutely thought it was fantastic. And, and I was telling her the stories because as I pull out the dolls, I'm like, and this is such and such, and this is her story, and this is her story. And, and uh, she was in tears. She was in tears. Well, again, especially as we struggle through a culture where women are still striving to be heard, 
to yes. be um, believed. Yes. To uh, be um, have their voices be the authentic voice of something that has transpired. The whole idea of a group of women who lived through this to varying degrees of success, who endured poverty, who endured, mm-hmm. um, in some cases, humiliation, in other cases, um, spent their time with Joseph Smith as a time of status or social power. Right. Um, all the different things that happen in community, it's still a group of women who s- suggest to us the feminine um, quest to be in community with the divine in the most faithful way they can. Absolutely. And, and the women of the day back in, 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 in those times in the church, uh, did have access to the priesthood in ways that women don't now in the LDS church. And they were able to give blessings and they were, they were receiving priesthood. Um, I don't know the word for it, but they were, they were with the men in receiving the priesthood. So it was very different for them. I, Brigham Young, I believe is the one who changed that. So it was the receiving, um, the laying on of hands for the blessing of the women, right? For the ministering to women, for giving blessings to women, for teaching women. Yeah. Right. So there's so much about this, whether it's the plural wives, the Relief Society, um, Emma's role in that. There's so much about that that is uh, absent from the teaching for several generations of Community of Christ women. Yes. And so I'm hoping that your project and our discussion about it will spark some interest in women going back and taking the opportunity to learn more about what is yes. shared history mm-hmm. and to avail themselves of the information for the purpose of having a better idea of women's experience in the restoration and women's contributions. Absolutely. The and there's, there's much to learn. There are. So I have some of my favorite books that touch on this. Um, Mormon Enigma, Emma Hill Smith, is um, probably one that is a good beginner for people to see yes. where this is. What are some others that you can recommend? Okay, so Mormon Enigma and Sacred Loneliness and Nauvoo Polygamy are the, th- the top three that I would recommend. I've read all of them. Another fun one to read that um, is is not necessarily based on historical data, but from what I've read of it so far, I'm in the middle of reading it now, from what I've read of it so far, it seems pretty accurate. And it's written by one of Brigham Young's wives. So she lived through it. And it's called Wife Number 19. Uh, Yes. And it sparked uh, the movie, The 19th Wife. Oh, okay. See, I didn't even know that. A long time ago, yeah. That compares the fundamentalist polygamous groups that are still active in Utah to the experience of the wives of Brigham Young, who Brigham Young and Herbert C. Kimball married the wives of Joseph Smith in in order to kind of take them into their family communities. And so it's all connected in there. Yes, yes. The other one that would uh, address uh, some comments you made, uh, Carolyn Pearson wrote, the ghost of eternal. Yes, that, that was the, my first, that was the first one that I read. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, a really good exploration um, into that topic. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with us about your experience with this, with the making the dolls that are the uh, representation of the wives? 
Okay. Well, um, I, I'm sure I'm not finished. Um, we're, we're still finding more wives. Um, there, there were two that were found recently that have, it, it's been published that they were found. And so I, I did make dolls of those two. And then there's a third that has not been published yet, but was found by a friend of, a friend of ours who is a historian. I did make a doll of her. I call her the unknown wife. Um, I don't know a lot about her, but but what I've been told is that she was living in the Smith home in Nauvoo. And Joseph at the time had made a rule that girls could get married at 14 and boys at 17. So you couldn't get married if you were younger. He waited for this girl's 14th birthday and then married her. Which is one of the um, issues with this that so many people have such a hard time with. Was, yes. Was the marrying of very young girls or the marrying of other men's why yes yes that was that one was quite <laughs> quite yeah. disturbing to find out so i think you need another small shelf for the few women that said no thank you yes i um i did do a couple portraits of those um but another thing to mention about my, my dolls i do have a couple of uh, of tells for them so there were five sets of sisters all of the, my sisters have matching dresses there were two sets of mothers and daughters. The mothers and daughters have coordinating outfits. There were three who were under the age of 15. They're all in bare feet. Ah, okay, we'll note that when we look yeah. at the photos. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to a visit to Kirtland. Um, and I'm hoping at that time you and yes, I please come. can have a cappuccino together somewhere and I can view in person your collection. That sounds wonderful. Of wives. Yes, I would love that. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. I'm so glad that Catherine introduced us via texting and, uh, yeah. and cell phones. Yeah. And I'm just appreciative that you're willing to be with us here on Cup of Joe, part of the Project Zion podcast, and talk about this kind of thorny issue mm-hmm. in, um, in our history and an uncomfortable issue for Community of Christ. And hopefully you've made it a little less uncomfortable and a little more accessible for women to learn more about the tradition of women in the restoration. So I hope so. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, I'm Karen Peter. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, and while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 